2: Well, bad weather in South Florida isn't necessarily a bad thing because somebody like me can just sit and watch football from one to two to three to four to five to six all the way through the night until the rain stopped. And the rain did stop today. And the sun is out here in South Florida, and we're back on the air here on Sports Grid and Fantasy Sports today for hour two. And we have an unbelievable, well, not so much game tonight. Monday Night Football. Jets on Monday Night Football, the winless Jets on Monday Night Football, and not even with their quarterback playing tonight, playing with rotten old Joe Flacco. That's, a, that's not a place I want to be here on the show today, but here we are, Patriots minus 10 on the road against uh, Joe Flacco. Joe, so good to be with you here on the show. I really wish I didn't have to watch a second in this game, but it is the final game that we picked here in the Super Contest, so we need a win tonight. We need the Patriots to cover tonight, and and I hate to even start with it, but here we are. Got to do it. Monday Night Football.
3: Yay. They, they should let you do the open for this game and the setup with all the enthusiasm. Could you imagine for a second, it's Monday Night Football, everyone, and then Craig goes into this uh, this opening, this setup, which is completely accurate and honest. I just want to defend it. Yeah. You, can't, you, you can't. I mean, it is absolutely accurate. It's absolutely 100% honest. But, I mean, wouldn't that be refreshing, right? Wouldn't that be refreshing if they open the games? Like, folks, look, it's a game, okay? This is what we got tonight. Look, it, it, it's Monday night. I don't know what's going on here. It's November just watch the football game. We'll be back after this. Like that's the open for this game tonight. There's no doubt about that. And and as a Patriots fan, I'm conflicted. There's a part of me that always wants to beat the Jets because it's fun to beat the Jets. But at a certain point, I'm starting to wonder, is that really the best long-term thing for us losing to the Jets? Hmm. that's kind of interesting. Yes. It would be terrible for a short period of time, but just think of the torture. The Jets would go through having that one win over the Patriots and then God forbid they fall or stumble into a second win. (gasps) Oh no. What would happen? that would make uh, that would make it all worth it. A bad season if you're going to be bad in the NFL, be oh so bad. That's the lesson to be learned here.
2: Yeah, and, and and look, it'll it'll be a game that is is better than anything else that's on television right now because we don't have much, but I would tell you that <laughs> I'm hoping that this is very similar to the Sunday night game where I could just turn it off at halftime because I got to be locked in for a bit. That's where we'll start today. On the second hour of Fantasy Sports today, starting with bad news, a bad Monday night football game, a bad injury report for Christian McCaffrey. He's questionable for Sunday. We got him back for one game and he got hurt again. This is not good news for people who own McCaffrey. We'll hope for better news. We'll have Dr. Chow on the show coming up later in the week. We'll talk about the potential for him playing. Dalvin Cook is your NFL rushing leader at this point, and he and Derrick Henry will fight this thing out probably till the end. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, speaking of rushing, set an NFL rushing record last night. Fewest rush attempts in a game (laughs) with five. And it's not like they did anything offensively through the air either. So that game was just a complete bust. A final race yesterday for Jimmy Johnson was exciting to see that, but it was Chase Elliott capturing the NASCAR Cup title this past week. And Joe, we got some news this morning on the upcoming Masters where Sergio Garcia tested positive for COVID-19. He's not going to be able to participate. The first ever Masters is set to kick off or tee off on Thursday of this week. And so we'll have that covered for
3: you as well. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world of sports and uh, this Bucks game. There's going to be a lot of dissecting of what happened last night. And and maybe that shouldn't be the case. Maybe we should all sit back and go, it's the NFL any given Sunday, crazy things happen. these two teams are division rivals and you know, one team just had the game plan and they just weren't ready for it. But the lack of execution, the lack of a run game is really concerning. And, I've said it many times on this channel, on many other channels, many podcasts, wherever. The last couple years of watching Tom Brady play, you must support him with a running game. And not just a good running game in terms of your your ability to execute it but also just the volume of it he needs that he needs the play action just those average depth of target numbers that I gave you and how uh the air yards everything's down there for him the reason why is because he is not that strong armed of a quarterback anymore he is not the same guy that he was five six years ago so I think if you are looking at everything and you look at the tape of of Tom Brady the last couple years of the Patriots it's very clear you protect him with a good running game you have guys who can catch the ball in the backfield and then he is a better quarterback. And if you see the games with Ronald Jones, again, go back to it. Look at Ronald Jones running the football. Look at those 128 yard rushing games. And you go, oh, wow, look, well, Tom Brady was really good in that game too. It's not a fluke. It's not a coincidence. That's what you got to get back to. Get back to the drawing board. Get back to running the football. Get back to Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and whatever else it is. Even if you get behind, it's just what you have to do right now. And then Tom Brady will be supported. And the other thing is too, Tom Brady's got to stop throwing picks. You know, he's, he's thrown enough this year against the saints, <laughs> you know, already that's a big number. You can't win games against division opponents like that. Division foes, division rivals. We throw in five picks in those two games. You just can't win those football games, Craig. You can't turn the ball over like that.
2: All right. So here it is. Put your thinking cap on okay. Buccaneers, Buccaneers play the Panthers this week. The game is in Carolina. What's the line?
3: I would say that the Bucs are favored by five and a half?
2: Six. So you're right there. All right. You're right there. And and everyone will be taking Carolina this week. That's that's going to be a popular pick.
3: Probably, I don't know if it's the right pick though. <laughs> I think I think you can't overreact. You can't overreact, can't overreact. Right. You can't overreact. one game. Look at us. Look at you. Look at us. Look at us. We had it all the way here. It's almost week ten now. Of the NFL and we're in complete and utter agreement. that You just can't overreact from one game, and there will be a lot of people that will. And the Bucks defense has been outstanding of late too. That's the other thing to take away too. You, just, you know, don't throw it all away on that Bucks defense. Defense will show up again. Fear not. Okay. Well.
2: Fun games coming up. Baltimore, Indianapolis, and then one of the better games played, I think, in, in all the games played this season, Miami, Arizona. That was a really exciting game. Went back and forth. Really odd coaching decisions again from the Cardinals. I think cost them win. But regardless of that, we'll break it all down coming up next and talk about it right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away.
4: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Definitely a little panic for Baltimore Ravens backers after they blew their lead and lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, and maybe even more so. When the indianapolis colts opened up the game on sunday with a seven to nothing lead but the ravens hung in there and waited and waited and waited for a mistake they ended up getting a big one and then coming back to beat the indianapolis colts on the road let's take a look at some of the fantasy numbers inside the score lamar jackson a modest game of 19 of 23 170 passing yards also rushed for 58 yards and a touchdown quiet for him Gus Edwards turned out to be the leading rusher. J.K. Dobbins just couldn't do anything against that Colts defense. Uh, Edwards even fumbled himself. It wasn't a great game for him. He, he had three attempts at the goal line and finally got in on the final one and scored. So uh, not really much to say about this Ravens running game this year. Every single guy gets involved. There isn't a clear-cut guy. They end up rushing for a lot of yards. There's just not one guy. Marquise Brown, three for 38. Willie Sneed, four for 37. Nick Boyle, four for 46. It was not really pretty, but it was enough to get it done because the Colts played very conservative in this game. Philip Rivers threw 43 passes. A lot of them were in the fourth quarter. 227 passing yards and one interception. Jonathan Taylor got a goal line carry. He made the most of it, got about 10 fantasy points. Quiet otherwise. Michael Pittman, four receptions, 56 yards. Zach Pascal five receptions, 65 yards. And I think I saw a stat, Joe, if I'm not mistaken, through eight weeks, the Colts have one touchdown from a receiver this season one through eight weeks so that kind of tells the story there he's just throwing to the running backs and the tight ends and look in the right situation Joe that uh, I think the Colts can win games they won last week right like if they play against a bad mm-hmm. team and are able to run the ball with the three running backs that they have throw a couple mm-hmm. of passes to Cox or some other guys I, I think they'll be okay the problem is, I think that the Colts, when they play against good teams, are going to be overwhelmed. And I, I just really mm-hmm. think that's what happens today against the Ravens. They can hang in there for long enough. Rivers is not the answer at quarterback. We know Brissett is not the answer at quarterback. And, and I know that when we look at 30 NFL teams... You can make the case and say, "Yeah, you know, what if Jacksonville's Luton ends up playing okay, would they give him a shot? Maybe so. What if Nick Foles played really good for the last few games and and got the Bears to the playoffs, would they give him a shot again next year? Draft a quarterback and let him come back?" You could make the case. I cannot make the case with the Colts bringing back Rivers. They they absolutely have to go into the draft or free agency and get somebody next year. To, they run the ball on first down, second down. This is not who they should be. They have weapons <laughs> there. but... But they, they play way too conservative, and that's the way the Ravens want you to play. They just want to get to the fourth quarter. That's it.
3: No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And um, the reason they can hang is because of the defense. And Darius Leonard, healthy. I mean, the last couple of weeks here, what a difference he makes, too. And that defense had already played pretty well. I mean, that guy was just all over the place yesterday, just knocking guys on their rear ends. I mean, this him. guy is just so- he did, but I think he came back in later. I, I will I'm will double check on that for you. He did, but 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 his presence, his presence is on the field is just he is one of those difference maker players. But you're right, offensively, DY Hilton was done going into this year. We kind of suspected that. Unfortunately, Pittman hasn't had enough time and he's missed some time with injuries too to really kind of step up. But look, it's it's not a good offensive team. So no matter how much defense you play at the end, you still got to score more points than the other team, and that's very tough. And look, speaking of scoring points, this was no picnic. For the Baltimore Ravens. They had 55 total yards in the first half of this game. 55. Okay. That is dreadful. You could see the anguish and frustration in Lamar Jackson's face in those third and 30 that he had at one point in time. I think it was also a third and, and 25 at one point, another one where he's just looking around going, what are we doing here? And you could see the frustration here. And I think it's maybe time when you look at some of these names here in this wide receiving core, and you address this in the off season. I don't know if it means going out there and signing an Allen Robinson. I don't know if it means go out there and finding another guy in the draft. If this is going to be a good draft for wide receivers, which a lot of people keep telling me that it's going to be, but I don't know if Hollywood Brown is the guy. And I think you look at the rest of the names there too, the Sneeds and this and that, it's not enough. You got to give him somebody else, some other weapon. You need that last piece in this offense. And last year, you were able to do it because Lamar played out of his mind. But you got to give him a little bit more help. And I think that's where we're at right now. People have, and you astutely put it, they've caught up a little bit to what Lamar does well. So now you have to adjust back. And the way you adjust back is giving him a legitimate possession type wide receiver at the very minimum, a guy you can count on for, I don't know, eight catches in a game. They don't have that kind of guy right now. And the run game is a bit of a mess. Again, I, in a way, I want to give them a small pass because of how good that Colts defense can be. But it wasn't the carryover you wanted to see. There's no doubt about it. That was disappointing. Dobbins and Edwards were great two weeks ago. This past Sunday, they really couldn't get anything done. Edwards had the big fumble. He kind of recouped a little bit later on. But it was tough, man. The Baltimore Ravens won this game, but they continue to, even when they win games, not look good doing it, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, and, and I think they'll get better going forward. I, I'm not really concerned with them. The Colts don't seem to be more than a 500 team for me. I, I know that there was some thought that they could be a Super Bowl contender. I, I don't I don't see it. Great defense, though. There's no arguing that. All right, speaking of great defenses, guess what? Another touchdown for the Dolphins defense. That opened up the game yesterday in Arizona. They took a 7 to nothing lead. Then it was a back-and-forth game throughout. Really exciting one. Uh, Tua up, ends up winning his second start, 20 of 28, 248 passing yards. Two touchdowns, but really the key, as you see here, were those rushing yards because those came in big chunks in the second half of that game, and that led them to the win. Jordan Howard, 10 carries, 19 yards, and a touchdown. Devontae Parker had a nice game, 6 for 64. And then Preston Williams had four receptions, 60 yards, all in the first half, and then left with an injury, and his status is unknown for the upcoming game this week. But bottom line is Tua Tagovailoa ends up winning another game. He's 2-0 and as a Dolphins starter and also talked about uh, being able to basically be unleashed a little bit on the ground as he rushed for 35 yards in this game.
3: I think the dolphins organization, you know, with uh, Kyle Johnson and, you know, everyone from the medical staff, um, you know, if, if they felt that they would be putting me in a bad situation, if, you know, I had to go and make a play on the run and whatnot, I don't think they'd, they'd let me go out there and play. So, um, you know, knowing that, that that's how it was going to be, I mean, even myself, I had self-confidence that I'd be able to go out there. And if I needed to make a play with my legs, you know, I, I would. But, I mean, that was probably the slowest I ever felt. Oh, my goodness. I felt like I was running in quicksand.
2: <laughs> and, and, look, quicksand was fine for yesterday, Joe, because without him running on a couple <laughs> of different occasions uh, – Dolphins don't win that game. Third and 10, I believe, he ran for one. Was he, he, juked, he juked that guy Buda Baker, Buda, Buda Baker ran around Buda him. Baker, and,
3: yeah.
2: and really, without him running, they don't win that game. But before we get into the game specifically, let's take a look at what the Cardinals did. Because offensively, they were fine in this one. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray had the best fantasy day for a quarterback this season, bar none. Uh, uh, 21 of 36, 283 passing yards, four touchdowns passing one rushing touchdown and 106 yards. It will not get better than this this season. Trust me. Chase Edmonds, 25 carries, 70 rushing yards. He did not look good in this one at all. Three receptions, 18 yards for him. Christian Kirk, five for 123 and a long bomb for a touchdown. Fitzgerald, 454. Hopkins was quiet. He was being covered very uh, carefully by Xavier Howard, and he was open a bunch of times. Howard just grabbed him, and it ended up being a penalty. It's something that you don't see on the stat sheet, but that's what happened three different times in the game. They got called for pass interference. Um, I guess at some point you got to give the dolphins credit, Joe. It's like I watched the game and, and watching from start to finish this one and the Raiders, who we'll talk about in a minute, there's no question. The Cardinals should have won this game. Definitely should have won. You're up a touchdown. You're in the fourth quarter. You're at home. You're supposed to win. But uh, Cliff Kingsbury it Doesn't make a lot of good decisions. Like uh, I mean, I just I'm following the game along, and it's like you you're watching fourth downs and ones, and and not thinking they're gonna get it. You know, like that's a bad sign. Like I'm thinking, I don't know if they're gonna get this one. Well, like Ed, Edmonds has a hard time up the middle, and they're using him as yeah. an up the middle runner. And before they, to, they, that break. Down, yeah. they they ended up punting, and they called the timeout yeah. to give the Dolphins more time to get the ball and and win, and then. At the end of the game, you send Zane Gonzalez out to kick a 50-yard field goal, and he only kicks it 47 yards, and it comes up short? Like, you don't know that he can't kick a field goal that long? Very odd decision-making. And yeah, they burned me, Arizona, I'll say that. But I I, I guess I'll just give the Dolphins credit that they won the game. But I I still would be cautious with Miami. I don't know why. I just feel like that.
3: Hey, look, I agree with everything you just said. And just one more thing to throw here before we go to the break is that's five touchdowns now in three weeks for Christian Kirk. So we keep talking about him. It's time to start using him on FanDuel.
2: All right, Raiders and Chargers coming up next. Talk about another wacky ending. We had another one yesterday. Raiders and Chargers breakdown. When we come back, don't go away. Over the last couple of years, we've waited for the then Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders to have that signature win, to have the win that kind of puts them back in the conversation of believing that they're legitimate. And last year, they came really close to that with a couple and then fell really flat in the second half of the season. But the second half of the season has begun, and the Raiders get it started with a somewhat lucky, but win nonetheless. (laughs) against the Los Angeles Chargers. they will take it. From a fantasy perspective, well, some things went well. Some things were a little bit light. Let's go through it here. Derek Carr, two touchdowns on the day, 165 passing yards, also rushed for 14 yards. On the ground, who would have thought Devin Booker was the key guy here. Eight carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown for him as he starts to get a little bit more action. Jacobs only 14 carries, 65 yards. He did score one touchdown, so he did deliver 15 fantasy points for you. Uh, Nelson Aguilar showed up in this game. It's like an every-other-week thing for him. Two receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. And Darren Waller, you're playing him in fantasy no matter what. There just aren't enough tight ends to go around. He scored a touchdown, and he also had five receptions. On the side of the Chargers, they took this one right down to the wire, very similar to what happened against them last week with Denver. They did it to the Raiders. Unfortunately, last play of the game, receiver can't hang on. And they end up losing. Uh, also, Justin Herbert had another nice game: twenty-eight of forty-two, three twenty-six through the air, twenty-four rushing yards, two touchdowns. I mean, is Kalen Balaj back? I, I guess so. Fifteen carries, yards, <laughs> two receptions, fifteen yards, and a score for him. He was like the primary ball carrier with Jackson getting hurt. So maybe it's time to jump back on Balaj on the waiver wire. Keenan Allen, there was some thought he may not play on Sunday. Good thing he did. Nine receptions, one hundred three, and a touchdown. Mike Williams, five receptions, 81 yards. He almost had the game-winning touchdown in the end, but the ball Mm -hmm. uh, went out of his hands, and I believe he got hurt at the end of the game too, so we'll have to see if he's okay going into this week as well. But that was basically what happened, Joe, at the end of the game. The Chargers had the same deal happen to them with what happened in Denver the week before. With one second left on the clock, they had a chance to win. Everyone thought they did, but as you could see on the replay, the ball fell out of the hands of the receivers. So the Chargers are pretty good from a fantasy perspective. In terms of receiver, they're giving you more or less what you want. Herbert's having a really nice year. He's got a chance to win the Rookie of the Year, and they just find a way to lose games. Same thing every year, every game, and and yesterday was no different.
3: Yeah, and I can't believe what I'm going to do here, but I'm going to defend Nelson Aguilar because you said every other week, and that is not fair. He had three straight weeks with a touchdown, then the awful game in Cleveland with the 50-mile-an-hour wins, then back this week, another touchdown. So in case you're keeping score at home, that is four of the last five weeks. Nelson Aguilar has a touchdown. And I understand Nelson Aguilar is, you know, not going to catch a dozen balls necessarily, but if you keep catching three for 60 or, or two for 55 and a touchdown or something in that vein, you keep scoring touchdowns, man, your fantasy gold, especially in those standard leagues, you know, we're not getting points for the PPR. I mean, that that's, it's a totally different universe and a lot of people still play in those kind of leagues in those kind of formats believe it or not so i want to just i can't believe i'm here can't believe i'm doing this but i'm going to film this and i go or he is he is not an every other week guy he has been very good for the last month and change, he had one bad game in Cleveland with the 50-mile-an-hour wins, and I know you're looking at it to be sure because you don't believe me, but I checked it before just to be no, sure. I, I,
2: just, <laughs> the notion of ever playing Nelson Aguilar in a fantasy league is not something that I'm ever going to do. It's not, and, but and, this is
3: where we're at. But think about where ten, we're at right you know,
2: now. If you're, if, you're, if you're banking on 10 fantasy
3: points winning you leagues – it ain't happening. I that. was being specific to the standard leagues, especially, because in those standard leagues, the guys who score touchdowns, that is just it's an enormous win right there. I mean, that that's how you yeah, get 10 points cool. in a standard. And getting 10 points yeah. in the standard is not always the easiest thing to do some of these weeks, especially the way some of these offenses have been running. But I'll digress. I'll put that away. Yeah, I don't want to cool. I don't want yeah, to cool. I don't want I don't want I'm not gonna try to send you. I refuse I know you're not buying that. I just want to defend the every other week because I don't think that's fair. To what the man has done and i want to give nelson some respect here a little bit but um, i am you, double on, double on this, you can <laughs> you can i mean i've got on game well, i looked while you were talking about it just to be sure because i thought that was the case three weeks in a row with a touchdown the cleveland game and then back this week with a touchdown that's in those weeks he scored the touchdown, how many receptions did he have I will tell you since I've got it here. Here we go. Uh, four for 44 and a touchdown. Two for 67 and a touchdown. Nine for 107 and a touchdown. Then no catches in that game where nobody caught anything. And then three for 55 and a touchdown. That's a wide receiver three. I hate to break it to you. No, it is, no, <laughs> oh, this it is not. This year, sure it can be. He's a wide receiver three uh, in a 12-team uh, league. I mean, I, 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 I guess a nine right? for one oh seven three for fifty five. But he's got a touchdown in four of the five games. I'm just saying, like, I, I we've already spent way too much time on this. I just wanted to say he's not an every other week guy because he has been consistent and All and right. and everybody I mean, was he looking he for scored, Henry Ruggs he to be three weeks ahead.
2: in a row, and then he put up a dud, and then he scores again this week but and
3: he put up a dud in it, a game it, where one did any
2: fantasy points he's your guy. If you want 10 points, he's definitely your guy. Without you a doubt. What,
3: I just want somebody to play. That's what I want. But, but look en- enough about Nelson Aguilar, as fun as that is to have this conversation on the sidebar here, another great game from Keenan Allen. I mean, how good do you feel right now in keeper leagues about Keenan Allen? When now they have Justin Herbert, they're playing quarterback. Like that was a guy, I think this year, the stock was really in question, but going into 2021 in redraft and in keeper formats, my goodness, you must feel great about having Keenan Allen because he looks just terrific, With Herbert he looks like Keenan Allen four years ago when he was right if you recall in that conversation of first round talent he was right there people forget that that's where Keenan Allen was not that long ago that was like three years ago where Keenan Allen was a guy you would want to take at the turn or double up on wide receiver or get a wide receiver like Keenan Allen and then like another running back there to start your team he has since fallen off that but now going into next year when the numbers all pan out you're going to look at it and you're going to say, man, he's pretty close to that guy potentially in terms of consistency game log. He is one of those guys who is just incredibly consistent. So Mike Williams is all over the map. He's up and down. But Keenan Allen this year, since Herbert's taken over, has been unbelievable. Now, that's a game log that's worthy of studying and seeing the consistency level. Because, look, I mean, people talk about the consistency of Devontae Adams. He's not quite Devontae Adams with the ceiling. But in terms of floor on a weekly basis, Keenan Allen's right there with him.
2: Yeah, when healthy, he's great. And and honestly, he's his track is like Hall of Fame track in terms of stats. So he <laughs> definitely <not> <laughs> is on that path. All right, Pittsburgh-Dallas. Uh, wow, Cowboys really showed up in this game, especially in the first half. Gilbert looked pretty good, and then things went sour in the second half. But for the Steelers, still a pretty solid fantasy day from the quarterback and receivers. Ben Roethlisberger over 303 touchdowns. Quiet day for James Conner, 9 for 22 on the ground. He had two receptions but negative points there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, six receptions, 93 yards and a touchdown. He's starting to come on a little bit. Claypool had a nice game, 8 for 69. Deontay Johnson had a nice game as well, 6 for 77. And Eric Ebron starting to get a little bit more looks too. Uh, At the tight end, you're just trying to get anything you can, three receptions, 22 yards and a touchdown. As far as Dallas is concerned... Gilbert looks like a capable quarterback of of restoring some of the value on the Cowboys. Mm. He was 21 of 38 for 243, also had 28 rushing yards, one touchdown, one pick. Ezekiel Elliott, it was him and Pollard back and forth. Zeke just doesn't look great this year, but he's playing. 18 carries, 51 rushing yards. CeeDee Lamb scored, and he was targeted a bunch. for receptions, 71 yards. Amari Cooper, five for 67. And Dalton Schultz, four for 48. And the Steelers, Joe are now the only undefeated team, remain the only undefeated Mm -hmm. team in the NFL, and mixing it up quite a bit, as Ben Roethlisberger uh, does. But look, the Steelers were bound to have a down game. They can't win and cover every single game. And by the way, they were fairly close to covering this game against the Cowboys too. I know the Cowboys came back and scored at the end. It was was kind of strange at the end of the game. Steelers didn't opt to kick a field goal. They could have, and they did not. But I, I think for me, at least optimistically speaking, if Gilbert plays for Dallas, I think you can have three catches for 50 yards from the receivers that you drafted that you were getting 10 catches for 100 yards. Mm-hmm. And maybe Schultz becomes more of a factor again because he looks capable. He looks a lot more capable than Denucci. So I, I think that that's the positive that I took out of it.
3: Yeah, it is. Those old AAF boys, they really know how to get the job done, don't they? And for me, I was in desperation mode. I had to play the Sheriff's of CeeDee Lamb I had this week, and they were pretty good. And if he is going to be better... With gilbert then sign me up because this was okay uh this was a game that we could get behind i know cd lamb had the fumble in this game he had a ball knocked out there but still it was a little refreshing to see cd lamb be useful and to see schultz be maybe useful again if you could go four for 44 and catch a touchdown every other week or somewhere in there hey that's useful again i think if we could just get back to that level with the cowboys assets we'll take it right now because it's been so bad the last couple weeks I will say also the fallout from 2020 on Ezekiel Elliott's overall value is going to be absolutely fascinating next year. There's going to be so many polarizations of what people think Ezekiel Elliott should be or shouldn't be in terms of ranking. You're going to see it all over the board because there will be some people who will just kind of say, well, you know, they didn't have Dak Prescott. But even before right. Dak got hurt, it wasn't great. You're Ezekiel Elliott owner, you know what I'm talking about. It was okay. I won't <laughs> it was okay when he was there but it wasn't great it wasn't top three overall pick great I'm sure if you rather have Dalvin Cook you'd rather have Alvin Kamara you'd rather have other guys that kind of went after Zeke so that is going to be fascinating to see if everyone just buys back in because it's the Cowboys and that national narrative about how good they're going to be because because Dak is healthy again or if this is another guy like Christian McCaffrey who after a down year people start to reevaluate people start to worry about the workload catching up to him a little bit Nobody's had a bigger workload the last four years than Ezekiel Elliott. Let's just be honest about that. McCaffrey in the last two years, but over the last four, it's definitely in Zeke. And as good as he's been, maybe just maybe we're seeing a lesser version because of that workload. So that is going to be a fascinating thing. I also thought it was interesting, too, that the Dallas Cowboys defense went to the old Bears 46 formation and got a lot more pressure going through. They mentioned on the broadcast, and something I kind of visually saw, too, and it helped in at least the first half of this game. Pittsburgh wasn't ready for it, and it really did put a little bit more pressure. and really did kind of close up some of the holes in that defense, at least temporarily. So it's good to see somebody having some sort of idea of how to address some kind of problems in Dallas. We'll see if it carries over to next week.
2: Yeah, and, and, we, and with Ezekiel Elliott, I, I don't think that he's he's at the girly level yet where I think that like it's almost over. But I think it's a fair point. The thing that I think is going to happen with him is he'll be super touchdown dependent, and he'll still mm-hmm. get a lot of touchdowns next year with probably. Dak being back. He'll still probably score eight to ten touchdowns, maybe even more. But yeah, the days of him averaging four point seven yards per carry, those are probably over. Uh, but he's still going to score a lot next year. And if he's healthy, he's probably going to grade out as a running back one. All right, fantasy realities next. I'll go ahead.
1: Dot com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: All right, before we get to fantasy or reality, the one game we didn't cover, we are short on time here on Fantasy Sports Today, uh, Denver-Atlanta, Joe. Uh, a game that basically Atlanta dominated from start to finish. The Broncos did rally a little bit in the second half, mm-hmm. similarly to, to last week. If Denver could just get off to a good start, maybe they would win a game. <laughs> but you know, to me, again, boy, I hate to say this every single week. Uh, by the way, good job by Raheem Morris. He's got Atlanta playing really well. And and even mm-hmm. without Ridley, their offense looked pretty good. And uh, the guy's name I can't pronounce ended up doing real well, the wide receiver.
3: the Rock me up. Yeah. He was pretty good.
2: Julio was good. Matt Ryan was good. Gurley scored another touchdown. So before I bash Denver, let me just say that the Falcons again, in the second half are playing much better than they did in the first half. But Denver is just such a poorly coached team, man. Like, I mean, I mean, do they not realize you cannot win games by trying to do what they do and, and their defense isn't that great. So they let Atlanta come up big. Then they got to come back again. And you're not going to come down to one second left in a game every week with you on the one yard line. And, I, I don't get what they're doing. Sorry. There's a lot of good it.
3: coaching openings next year. Denver, I think, is a great situation for they a coach to come in. Have and good team. And be. they, they have, have a, a good They have a good team. Uh, Detroit, I think, is a good coaching situation to come in. You have some personnel. You have a franchise quarterback. You have something to work with there. There's going to be some organizations next year, depending on who comes in, what moves they make in the draft in terms of offseason all that stuff. You could see a lot of organizations this year that were kind of just – running in circles, all of a sudden get really good really quickly. It would not shock me at all. We'll see what those coaching changes are, but I think they're definitive in Denver and the definitive in Detroit. Uh, You got your touchdown from Todd Gurley, because that's what he does every week in this game. You got a huge game from Alameda Zacchaeus, who we've talked about on the show before, but this is a guy with talent. He's just, when you've got Calvin Ridley leading the league in ADOT, when you've got Julio Jones, you're just not going to see Russell Gage and uh, Zacchaeus very much. But when those guys are out, they step up and you see the depth that they've got. It's tremendous. There's no doubt about that. Judy having another big game too. We're going to get more into him tomorrow on the show. We'll definitely talk about whether or not that's a stock that's on the rise here a little bit. But you're right. Denver just puts themselves behind the eight ball. It's kind of like they are the they are the game version of the Atlanta falcons meta version where atlanta can't start a season right but they finish it well and the denver broncos can't start a game right but they finish the game well it's like the micro and the macro kind of working back and forth here unfortunately but yeah i mean at the oh, end yeah. of the day well, I think why do they just come year, out of the game growing i don't understand it's the same thing every game and then and, they punt. And, and they lost Noah Fant in this game early and nobody gives up more points to the tight ends than the Atlanta Falcons. It was such a smash play of this week and unfortunately got hurt in the first quarter. It was such a huge bummer because I had a couple of shares of him in FanDuel and I was like, "Oh no, what a great opportunity." And they still eventually found other guys to throw the ball to. You. I just I it's it's nobody understands it. I can't understand it. I thought it would get better this year with the new OC. I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt. You did not. You ended up being right about the scenario I was wrong.
2: Yeah, I um, it's 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 really not about that. It's just uh, I just think that the head coach inevitably is going to be the one that's going to make the decisions. And so while the offensive coordinator makes the play call, it's still the coach's decision when they're sitting in on that game plan every week to decide what to do. And it just but every it, week it hurts the game me. plan is
3: wrong. If that is if that if that was they what have going good with... of an
2: offense, what they're doing. But, but then and what Lock you're is saying still,
3: is bro. very telling. So what you're saying is every week they go in with a game plan. That's crafted by, in your opinion, at the end of it, it stops with the head coach. Then that means every week when they go in with the game plan, the game plan is wrong. Then you go back at halftime, the coordinator sits back and goes, "Okay, this is what we got to do," and they start making adjustments, and then they play better. So what does that tell you? He should not be involved in that offensive game plan, period. Because every week that game I mean, plan when they go in, it's wrong.
2: But 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 again, it's a, what, it's not just Vic Fangio. I mean, look, every organization uses the same term. It's like the organizational philosophy. And it's just outdated the way that that Fangio coaches, thinking that their defense is going to be great, and we're just going to play to the end, and and they go, they go down big. They have no problem scoring in the second half of games. It just tells you that it's not all about the defense letting up. It's just about that they go in with a poor approach, and 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 look, they'll fix it next year. But you you whoever's walking into that job as you mentioned first of all you have a good home field advantage playing at altitude every every year it's the same they always play well at home so you, you have that going for you you have two if Sutton comes back you have Sutton you have Judy who's going to be a star you have Fant who's going to be a star you have Locke who's probably already a star and their defense is okay they should not be three and 13 they re- I mean it's a joke they really should not but that's where they're at I mean just compare the Jets talent versus Denver I mean, what is the Jets, what are the Jets a game behind Denver I mean come on you know I mean, what Denver needs
3: be they need Genius to come back home and Adam Gase. Maybe that's the guy for them next year. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> All right, let's go do fantasy and reality here. Let's start off with our first statement here. The Carolina Panthers have their quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they'll probably win five, six games. They'll probably take a look at the draft. You're going to have Lawrence. You're going to have Fields. I mean, at this point, I'm thinking that uh, the BYU's quarterback is going to be up there too. His kid's having a great year too. I, I think there's going to be five or six quarterbacks going in the first round, but. Uh, will they go with another one? Fantasy and reality. Carolina Panthers have their guy.
3: I think reality. I think Teddy B's been really good this year. And it seems like he's in a good flow with this offense. He's making Robbie Anderson look great. And you know, he's got Curtis Samuel playing good last couple weeks. And he's done it all without Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the best fantasy players and real running backs on the planet. And he's doing it all. And, And look, they're not winning a whole lot of games, but they're competing with the big boys. They're showing up in these games. And I think it's reality. I think, and it was very telling too. I saw something fly around this weekend that there were some rumors in Minnesota that at the time, Mike Zimmer was not too happy about the organization's decision to move on from Teddy Bridgewater. He wanted to keep him around because he really liked Teddy Bridgewater. And he kind of wanted to build with him in the future. And he had some reservations about Kirk cousins and we'll see. We'll see if he was right with that inclination, but I don't know everything I've seen this year, and it's not just the feel good story. I'm not trying to write the narrative. I've seen it on the field. And what I see on the field is a guy who's playing good football, a guy who seems like the the team is buying into. I think they have their guy. I think what they need to do is address the offensive line a little bit and continue to foster this young defense and get them ready for next year because I think there's some talent on this defense as well.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy. I think the coaching is fantastic. I think their offensive coaching and play calling is out of this world, and I hope that Brady gets rewarded with a head coaching job next year because he did it with LSU and he's doing it with Carolina. Mm -hmm. I will put an asterisk by the fantasy. And I will say that he still has six or seven more games to play. And if this is what we see, I think the Panthers may stick with him. But I also saw this happen last year. Different situation, different team. We could have asked the same question about Jacoby Brissett, and we would have said reality. And then the second half came, and then things went completely sour the other way, and he's done. He's the backup, and Rivers is the starter. So. I'm going to say fantasy, but I reserve the right to change at the end of the season. If he continues to play like this and has 16 games of this, I'll say reality, but I don't want to get caught and be a prisoner of the first half. I got to see the second half play out before I can make that call. All right. uh, Dolphins and Raiders, they're uh, probably going to flex this game to week 16. They play each other week 16, and it could be a Saturday night primetime game, maybe the biggest game in the AFC to determine a playoff spot. But let's throw it out there for now. Because both are on track to do it with the extra playoff spot, Joe. Fantasy reality, the Dolphins and Raiders, the teams of the 80s in the NFL, right? The best records in the 80s will Hmm. make the playoffs. Both teams, they're both in. Fantasy reality.
3: (sighs) AFC is really good, and that's why I'm going to say fantasy. I think one of them will, and I'm actually going to put my money, believe it or not, on the Raiders. I know it sounds crazy, but... Last year, we were on this precipice with the Raiders. In fact, I went back and looked at what their record was today last year. It was 5-4, and and we were saying the same thing about the Raiders on Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish, I was sitting there going, hey, the Raiders are in this, and they got a soft matchup this week against the Jets. And what did they do? They lost to the Jets. And a couple weeks later, they lost again to Jacksonville. They lost against the teams they should have beaten. Now this year, they're starting to beat the teams that they should. And as good as that defense has played for Miami – I don't know if I can quite get there yet with them. And I think the AFC is just so good. There's room for only one of them. So that's my take on it. I'm going to say the Raiders are that team because of how bad Denver and how bad the Chargers are at times. That's, that's right. where I'm going. What do you think, Craig?
2: So, so how, many, how many teams make it again? I'm sorry to throw Eight. that question out there. How, Eight and each. Eight So yeah. Kansas City is going to make it, right, for sure? Right. Right. We would agree with that?
3: Wait, is this the eight or the seven? See, now now I'm getting confused because I know Dane and I were talking last week. They were going to try to add another team. So this year there was only one team. It's seven, seven. this year because only one team had a buy. That was the new the new playoffs okay, coming so into this year. One team City had is a buy, not two. Is
2: Baltimore is in. Those three. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. We'll probably agree all on that. And Buffalo, right? right? So that's four. I would agree. That's four. So then three more teams have to make it. I'm going to put Tennessee and, in there as the fifth, right? I That's agree.
3: fair. I'm with you i'm with you
2: all right so there's two more teams that have to make it
3: right who am i missing? Yeah, that's why i think the raiders will um i feel like we're missing right. well, somebody maybe, the the maybe breck can uh breck can let us know in there's gotta be somebody else uh with that defense you can make the argument for indianapolis i guess um i don't know it's 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 tricky. It. you know it's funny <laughs> whenever we talk about this it's always a uh, i don't think the patriots are in on it um Indianapolis, anyway, I think, would be the other one. That would be the other one for me. I'm looking at the teams right now. I think
2: both will. It's reality. I think both will. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, I wait. I
3: know get. who we're forgetting. We're forgetting because they have a good record. I knew there was somebody we were forgetting. The Cleveland Browns, you're forgetting right now. And I know you're going to laugh. Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Browns. But Record wise, they're no, right no, there. There And they're that's, getting that's, the that's chubbed there. Um, you know,
2: you know, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'm going to say reality. I think Cleveland fades because I'm not. I, I don't want to go off that, so I'll stick with it. But I will say this: there's a really good chance that that matchup in Week 16 determines who gets in. So that that sets up a great yeah. game, hopefully for <laughs> uh, for December. All right, uh, let's close it out here. So one apology that I got to send is is telling everybody to take Clemson. And I know that there are people are going to say, "Well, it was a good pick. They could scored the touchdown. They were covering with a minute to go." that doesn't count. You go to the window. That's the deal. In in the end, you cash or you don't. You can understand that one team looked like the right pick and not, and what was the right side. Clemson was never the right side in this game. Notre Dame played very well right to the end. Uh, They did not cover. They did not win. they moved down to fourth in the college football playoff. So they are number four. They're going to have to win out to stay in. Fantasy reality, Joe Clemson, will miss the college football playoff. Fantasy
3: reality. I think fantasy. I think healthy Trevor Lawrence, again, they'll probably roll. I mean, who, who's to say that they wouldn't have won this game this past week? I mean, that, that's, I think, where we're at. I, I guess my big question for you is, before you do your fantasy reality, did this change your uh, perception of Notre Dame after this game, getting to hang with Clemson as much as they did and inevitably win this football game?
2: Uh, Ian Book played great. Their quarterback definitely showed elusiveness and showed things from their quarterback that they haven't had in a while. But no, I do think if they they face off with Clemson again, look, Clemson's defense definitely, I don't know what's going on with them. They're not playing as well this year as they have in the past. But I think if they face off again, Clemson wins. Um, The game was in Notre Dame. Keep in mind when they play in the playoff, it'll be in a neutral site. So uh, my answer is fantasy. I think Clemson gets in. The reason why is because of the ACC. There's really no tough matchup. I suppose there's some people getting a little excited about Miami, and De'Ara King is playing real well, and maybe if they go toe-to-toe in a high-scoring game, Miami can win. I don't think so. I think Clemson ends up being the number three seed. They move up from four to three, and I say it's fantasy. I do not think that they will miss the playoff. And and I, I, There's a chance Notre Dame gets in. But, my gosh, I think, Joe, they're going to get blasted again, man. Like, I think this is a bad idea. <laughs> I do. I just don't, I don't like them. I don't think they're good. Double down. Let's
3: go. It didn't work the first time. Let me throw some more money at this problem. That's what you always I do. Don't so. I don't think so.
2: I don't <laughs> think so. They played great in one game. But, historically speaking, they get to this point. They don't have the athletes like Alabama. I think Florida would beat Notre Dame. Uh, Notre yeah, Dame could beat Florida. BYU, maybe. Notre Dame could beat BYU. Notre Dame could beat Cincinnati, like if one of those teams. And Notre Dame is not beating Ohio State. That has not happened. They will not beat Ohio State. So, and, and again, I'm the same guy who said that Notre Dame would not beat Clemson, too. So keep that in mind. You bet against? <laughs> okay. Let me uh, take a break here because the Sports Grid 60 is coming up next. So, you want to make sure you stay on the grid. Stay tuned. More fantasy sports today is next.
3: After. Speaking of angles, uh, one of the best running backs uh, of all time, Eddie George. Let's dive right into it. Tennessee over the weekend, last weekend, uh, went live with FanDuel. Talk about your experiences with the app, and you know what you expect uh, with with all these Tennessee betters.
1: Well, I expect the the app to explode. That's what what I'm hoping for. Last week was the the first launch of it.
4: Derrick Henry has had uh, 12 of 17 games, including the postseason, with 100 yards rushing. What is he going against when you're playing a, a tough Bears defense?
0: You know the Bears, they are not very good against the run. They have they've given up maybe one hundred and twenty yards per game against the run. They're exceptional against the passing attack, but downhill running
2: has been a problem and that's been Tennessee's